Yep, it's the Jeremy Webisodes podcast. Here we go. All right. Welcome back to what is this? What are, what's it called again? Oh yeah, the the Joss, the Joss and Friends Happy Fun Hour. Oh no, I don't no, think that's wait, the that's one that's I meant to tune in for. <laughs> that doesn't have as many listeners. Yeah. Uh, the the Ryan Hatch Silenceathon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> wow. that's not it either. You have found your way back to the Jeremy Webisodes podcast. I am, in fact, your host, Jeremy Webb. This podcast uh, was recorded Wednesday, October 7th, 2020. And never fear, the lava lamp is burning brightly in the studio as a beacon for all the lost souls in the world. May they find their way home. And we have a special guest joining us today on the show who has found their way here all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome John Cavendish. John Cavendish. Hi, John. Hi, Jeremy. How do you do? You know, I do pretty well. I do, I do okay, I guess. It does okay. Thanks for joining us all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. Do we have any idea how far Nashville is from from Orange County, California? No. Three, far. 300 miles? You kind of generally are a guy that knows stuff about stuff, John. Do you have any idea? Joss has got to be close, to th- or at least on the way there with 300. It has to be at least 300 miles. <laughs> Yeah, it's no. not even Phoenix. <laughs> it's definitely at least 300 miles. I'm not so even sure. I'm, just saying, I'm not even sure. We know. What was that? I'm not even sure that's Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> I think we get to Vegas on 300 miles. But, but we appreciate you being here. This is a, kind of a special, you know, if you'll remember, John was on the show in the first iteration of the Jeremy Webisodes podcast. And that was kind of like right after you had first moved to Nashville. And now you've been in Nashville for, for how many years? Ten. Ten wow. years. And it's a it's a hard town. I mean, it, it's it, it, as a musician, it's the kind of town that can can eat you up and, and spit you out if if uh, if you don't play your cards right. So apparently, you must have been playing your cards right. Well, uh, yeah, you must I'm have for- had a nice hand. Yeah, <laughs> you had a couple pocket aces. <laughs> no, I just bluff really well. Ah, that's funny. And where'd you grow up again? I grew up in Charleston, West Virginia, a little a little town in the bosom of the Kanawha River, uh, just north of the coal fields in the most forgotten about state. A little town, you know, it's the it's the capital of the state, but still kind of a. I mean, I don't know if they want that on their flag. West Virginia, the most forgotten about state. <laughs> yeah, wild and wonderful has a much better ring to it. Nah, we're just trying to keep everybody else out. Right. <laughs> That's what I realized when I lived there. Is I realized it was kind of like a private little country club, and they were, you know, dispensing all this. Uh, you know, tomfoolery about incest and banjo playing, you know, hillbillies and all that stuff just to keep you out because it was actually one of the most beautiful places in the entire world. I think it's all BS. <laughs> anyway, so a, a kid from the hills of, of West by God, Virginia, um, a, and as a musical guest, what I've noticed with our previous musical guests is... Um, kind of a uh, through note has been that they come from musical families, at least had, uh, you know, one parent that played an instrument. I happen to know that you came from a very musical family. Um, and, uh, oh, I see I see Ryan making a gesture here. So w- w- I want to get into that. I want to get into that. But before I w- we get too deep into the John Cavendish story, we do need to drink booze. Um, yeah, John's important. But- John is important, but drinking is more important. <laughs> And since John is joining Look, whiskey us, whiskey will be around long after I am gone. Right. <laughs> right, that's a good point. So, since we are being joined uh, from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, I thought it most appropriate that we drink a Tennessee whiskey tonight. And I didn't want to drink Jack Daniels, although Jack Daniels is kind of like the most famous of Tennessee whiskeys. Um, I didn't want to go there. I thought it was a little too predictable. So tonight we're going to be drinking the George Dickel. 
Tennessee Bottled in Bond Whiskey. And this is just their straight, aged 11 years. This is the run-of-the-mill, blue-label George Dickel. There are a lot of comparisons drawn between George Dickel and, um, and Jack Daniels. Uh, because of the fact that they're both Tennessee whiskeys, and there's something particular that defines a Tennessee whiskey. Um, it makes it different from oh. other American whiskeys. That was a nice bottle bottle pool. Listen to this. This is my favorite part. Ready? Oh, wait. That's the wrong <laughs> That's the beer can. Wow. <laughs> oh. oh. I mean, I didn't. it didn't even pour yet. That's yeah. just it working its way up the neck of the bottle. I didn't even pour any. Work it. I mean, that is gorgy. That, in and of itself, is worth, is, is worth the, the price of the bottle. I mean, that was a gorgeous pour. So, George Dickel, Tennessee whiskey. What is a Tennessee whiskey, John? Do you know what makes a Tennessee whiskey a Tennessee whiskey? I do know what makes a Tennessee whiskey a Tennessee whiskey, and it is what I think, and this is personal taste, makes it inferior to a Kentucky straight bourbon. Wow. It is filtered, it is filtered through charcoal. Correct. That is literally it. So up until right before it goes in the barrel, Tennessee whiskey is bourbon, right? The only differentiation and the only thing that makes it uh, that it, it has to be done to call it a Tennessee whiskey is it's 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 charcoal filtered, and the process is called the Lincoln County process. Mm. And the Lincoln pro Lincoln County process is uh, literally either pouring the bourbon over charcoal and filtering it through charcoal, which is how Jack Daniels does it. Mm -hmm. Jack Daniels takes honey maple, they soak it in Jack Daniels, then they light it on fire until it burns down to charcoal, and then they grind that charcoal into pellets, and they pour their product out of the still, the clear um, distillate. They pour it through sugar maple charcoal and then barrel it, okay? George Dickel does it a little different. They fill these gigantic vats full of their product, and then they just put the charcoal briquettes in there to kind of soak around with it. And then they extract it from the vats. So they don't really pour it through the charcoal. They soak, soak it in charcoal. It with it. A bath. And, they bathe right. it. So both of, that, both of those are considered the Lincoln County process. In fact, the Lincoln County process is a little ambiguous, but it basically is... The bourbon meets charcoal before it goes in the barrel. And yeah, you're right. And it, I agree with you, John. I think it creates an inferior product. Um, the reason that they do it is it speed ages. It mm. pulls out a lot of the congeners and a lot of the esters that uh, a brand new alcohol has. So it mellows it. Some people say it mellows it as much as a couple years right after the process. But um, what happens is when it does go into the barrel... What's great about whiskey is those congeners and the esters, that funkiness, that's what happens in the, you know, turns into magic when it mm -hmm. mixes with the oak. And since these this filtered Tennessee whiskey doesn't have those congeners and esters, it doesn't have the magic that happens in the oak. So uh, a Tennessee whiskey drinks really, really well new, but like a 15, 20-year-old Tennessee whiskey doesn't have any of the character that a Kentucky bourbon does because mm. all of the stuff that gives it the character has been pulled out in the, in the Lincoln County process. As someone who's never heard the words congener or ester, are they essentially both mean the shit? Yeah, the shit. The garbage. It's, when I talked about before the hearts and the tails, that's the stuff you're pulling out when you're when you're making your hearts and tails cuts, are those esters and congeners. But I also mentioned that bourbon... Uh, distillers will leave a little bit of that in because those things mixing with oak create the magic that is that is that you know royal rot funk brilliance that that you know creates the what we love about bourbon. Are those words just made up to sound cool for like the garbage? What congener? Esther? No, I mean no, I'd love to use the word congener once a month. It's it sounds a science like I know word. what I'm talking about. It's it a science cool. word. So anyway, you were right. I guess as a Tennessee guy, you should know what a Tennessee whiskey is, right? Now, did you know that I've before? I've toured the distilleries, yes. And you learned that at the distilleries. There you go. Um, yeah. The, now, if you go to the Jack Daniels distillery, they will not just call it a Tennessee whiskey. They will tell you that because they have filtered it through charcoal, 
um, which, uh, what'd you say, sugar maple, I think that's what yep, it is? sugar maple. Uh, because they filtered it through charcoal, they call it, and I quote the old man who gave us the tour, a Tennessee sipping whiskey. Tennessee sipping whiskey. Now, I personally yeah. don't think that's a distinction. I think that's something Jack Daniels made up to tell the people that come to their uh, distillery tour, but still. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, so no, that. you're right. It's not a distinctive thing. It's that's that's a made up thing. Back in 1897, they created a thing called the Bottled in Bond Act, and we're gonna get into that because George Dickel actually says bottle in bond on the bottle. And when they created the Bottle in Bond Act, that's when they started creating all these rules. Um, in fact, it was the very first consumer protection law. It predates Pure Food and Drug Act. Mm. So it was, <laughs> of course, it, it got to booze because, first. Yeah. yeah. Is because you know people were selling rot gut, and um, the distillers that wanted to have some pride in their product were like, "We got to put some sort of stipulation on this," and so that's when they actually started creating these rules that now is the U.S. standards of identity for distilled spirits, and they literally have like the book of rules: to be called a vodka, it has to be this; to be called a bourbon, it has to be this; um, to be called a Tennessee whiskey, it has to have that Lincoln County process. Um, bottled in bond is an interesting thing. It was created in it, right then in 1897 as the original way to distinct, uh, to create a distinct product that you could verify every single time. And one of the things that's fun about bottled in bond is it has to be over 50 proof. It has to be bottled at 100 proof. Yeah. I mean, over 50%. So it has to be bottled at 100 proof. So that's good. So we know we're drinking 100 proof. That'll, um, get, that'll get you there. It will get you there. Can we try it? Bottled in bond also Not has yet. to come from a single distiller, has to be made in a single season, uh, and it has to be aged minimum of four years. So when you see bottled in bond, you'll know it's at least a four-year-old product. You know it's from a single distiller from a single season. And so, we're having 11 year right now. And this is an 11 year, yeah. so it's it's even better. Yeah. Have you have you had have you had Dickel before? Is it a pretty big one in Tennessee? Oh yeah. Or is absolutely. it one of those things like? You know, where nobody in Australia has ever heard of uh, whatever that beer is that everyone's supposed Foster's. to drink. Foster's. Yeah. Foster's. Nobody in Australia has ever heard of Foster's yeah. beer. I feel like uh, Dickel in Tennessee is, I mean, obviously, you know, the mainstream whiskey that people drink in bars across the world is Jack Daniels. Um, yeah. And But Dickel, Dickel is, I feel like it's like the, the whiskey drinkers, Tennessee whiskey. Uh, right, like people who people who know why a little bit I more about it tonight. Like you don't want to drink Jack. No, you don't want to drink Jack. Jack is fine. It's it's sweet like Dickel is, but I I mean I think I prefer Dickel just on that alone. Maybe it's some superstitious thing from uh, uh, from just sort of being a bourbon guy. But uh, no, I, I I definitely prefer it over Jack. You know, it's not any kind of pricey bottle, right? This is about a forty dollar bottle, so it's not like we're drinking you know Colonel Taylor or something. Um, but yeah, I mean the first right off the bat, it's very sweet, very sweet. But yeah. it's a bourbon mash bill, so it's going to have a, a, at least fifty-one percent corn, which is where a lot of that sweetness comes from. The nose cleans the sinuses out. I mean, I'm it getting has a little a, cinnamon, it, yeah. right? Yeah, the nose. It's it's got it's definitely alcoholy. Yeah, um, it's hundred proof. Ethan, you know, it's it's got the it's definitely got the ethanol. Now it'll breathe like a wine. You leave it in your glass. Some of that ethanol will kind of dissipate um and like i've said before the first taste of anything especially at 100 proof is going to taste like gasoline but yeah very sweet caramel cinnamon all the things you expect from the oak now uh john talk about superstition i mean we're talking these tennessee men you got george dickel jack daniels evan williams Ah, ah, they seem to be ah, very egocentric men evan williams is a kentuckian i do oh thank goodness all right Right. Well, I mean, it was. A, let's be honest. Tennessee and Kentucky—they share a border, right? There's, there's. Uh, and Evan Williams' label is clearly trying to mimic Jack Daniels, right? It's very similar. Yeah, there's definitely like a state border ride, war, a border war going on. You know, so you think back in the day when when the industry's kind of like popping up, it was definitely my my product is better than your product. Our state makes better bourbon than you do, and we're not even going to call ours bourbon. In fact, to really kind of piss you off. George Dickel goes even further to to when they their whiskey doesn't have an e in it. 
which is if you look at every single other American whiskey in my office, it's W-H-I-S-K-E-Y, except for Maker's Mark. And they and it was Maker's Mark's wife who was like, let's do it that way. It's old worldy. Well, and they're Kentucky. So there's one in Kentucky, and now there's one in Tennessee that spells it with a Y, which is stupid because American whiskey has an E in it. I mean, just like, again, if you look at any other bottle in my office, they all have the E. But Dickel wanted to be different, so. Kind of a Dickel, George. <laughs> it's good. I, the bottle's great, by the way, too. So Very let cool. me ask you this, John, and then we, I want to get into your musical stylings. But uh, in Tennessee, do people not drink Kentucky bourbon? Is it kind of like, oh, my God, if they catch you drinking the Maker's or a, you know, a Maker's Mark or a Buffalo Trace that's kind of poo-pooed on? or. No, not in my experience. The, the we are we do not discriminate on the uh, uh, label of the bottle as long as it is good hooch. We will take it in in large quantities. Well, especially in Nashville, musicians musicians will drink anything they can get their hands on. Well, but see here in Nashville, these are like the descendants of the real old world country guys and gals. They have very strong opinions about their whiskeys and bourbons. I can appreciate that yeah. as well. They should. Yeah, they. But so, the, and while as a starving artist, we will all just drink anything that is given to us at any moment. Uh, the <laughs> people who uh, <laughs> tend to consider themselves bourbon, bourbon and whiskey folk are. Uh, uh, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think Dickel Dickel is appreciated here. Jack is, but no, there's there's no there's no hate for for straight bourbon whiskeys here. Okay, I was just interested since there is the border kind of war. I wondered it was like, oh my God, you can't drink a Kentucky bourbon in Tennessee. Or, what the or hell is wrong with you, man? I just like that a starving artist would drink it at any moment. Well, right, he's starving at any moment. Got to get some calories in you somehow. Starving I mean, for inspiration. You, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it's presented at six forty-five in the a.m. Well, hell yeah, Heck yeah. So Nashville, Tennessee, is it the live music capital of the world? It could may have been called that uh, before March. Okay. Is there any kind of, is it one of those things where it's like you and Austin and there's, there's a couple people vying for that position in the, in the country? Uh, yeah, I think Austin, at least for the, for the 2000s uh, and most of the 2010s, was the, had, that was their title. They were the live music capital of the world. But uh, there's certainly no shortage of it uh, on any given night here. I mean, having been out there to visit you for your record release party, which was very awesome, and thanks for having me, and I'm sorry I was so hungover the entire time, uh, but it means I had a good time. <laughs> uh, but I noticed, yeah, I mean, there's a music venue on every corner. Yeah, yeah, there is, uh, there is no shortage of uh, people to fill those venues, both the stage and the, uh, and the, uh, the audience. So uh, supply and demand, I guess. I mean, is it... Is it- I mean, is it kind of like Hollywood? Like a lot of people come to Nashville to be in music and some of their dreams. I mean, not obviously not everybody that gets off the bus in Nashville with their guitar is going to be the next big thing. You have no idea how many guitars I have bought at a great bargain because of that exact situation. Hey, man, just because everybody in your hometown told you you were awesome and you should move to Nashville doesn't mean you're going to be able to get a gig when you get to Nashville. Right, yeah. all those people off that Greyhound bus, two hundred bucks in a dream in their pocket. Yeah, that's the, the stuff old... of great songs, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. It like, is. If you can make it work, yeah, I mean, so much the better. I mean, how many songs are sung when that they have to sell the guitar strings for a gallon of milk and like hitch their way back Cut to their Richmond, hair Virginia, to the wig factory? Right. Uh, the problem. The <laughs> problem is once they're doing that, they uh, they're not they're not talking to their publisher anymore, and so those songs don't get uh, don't get cataloged. No. <laughs> Yeah, they don't. They kind of seem to fall on the floor. <laughs> is it predominantly still a country, country western or country music town, or is it kind of more progressive music town these days? Or I mean, is, I mean, there's is everything the, here. There's you know when you get when you get a scene this big, and when you get the the, the reputation that it has, the, you're, it's gonna it's gonna draw musicians of all types, especially because so many you know all of the American musics, uh, country, jazz, rap, pop, rock. Uh, funk, R&B, all that stuff. It all draws from the same thing, and so it all draws from the same uh, the same feeling and emotion and the same notes and the same rhythms and history. And so, yeah, the 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 scene is just as diverse as it can get. Okay, so it's not just people vying to be like the next big country western music 
musician. You're you're seeing there is a, a large amount of that, but no, I mean there's there's every music under the sun in this town, and the and uh, uh, musicians playing and operating at the highest levels. Right. So that's that's good to know because you think you know most people think everyone that's playing in Nashville literally is like a solo artist, one guitar you know a cowboy hat trying to do that but you could easily go in and do a see a trance hop band or like D, djs for Absolutely. example like some funk bands trance hop uh any any if if it's if it's music we it, you can find it here uh and transcending that we also have a really great symphony orchestra uh that has uh that's been that's been uh, uh the grammy award winning nice Grand Old Opry still. That was my in next question. There, yeah, Grand Old Opry's Nashville. She had her ninety fifth yeah. birthday just Saturday. Yeah, her, this Saturday was her ninety fifth birthday. And people, I mean, it's still open. It's a venue. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what it really is. It's a music hall, right? The Grand Ole Opry started at the Ryman Auditorium in downtown Nashville. It's a, one of the most legendary music venues in the country, maybe the world, just could do the history and its uh, its significance in American music. But eventually the place got dilapidated, and I think in the 70s they built a big bespoke facility out on the, uh, on the eastern side of town uh, where they, uh, uh, the Opryland Amusement Park was there for the longest time. That's since been replaced by a very large mall. And, uh, but no, the Grand Old Opry's wow. building still stands. Uh, it was flooded out in 2010 really bad, and they had to, they had to rebuild a lot of things. Uh, but it's, uh, it's still going strong. I have gone to Opryland. Nice! I haven't even gone to Opryland. Yeah. How are the rides there? Um, they're pretty cool. I mean, they had a really long roller coaster. They had this one that was like you were in a bobsled, and it wasn't on a track, so you were just rolling down the thing with like sixteen people. It was crazy. I was That's like, "There's no way this should be legal." <laughs> yeah, it wasn't uh, too uh, safe. No. Didn't so there's Opryland, like... but there's also Dolly Dollywood, Dollywood, right? Dolly Parton Land. Yeah. That exists. Is that, in, is that in Tennessee? That's in Sevierville, Tennessee, or Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, about two and a half or three hours east of here. And then Elvis Museum is Nashville too, right? Uh, Mem- Memphis. Graceland. That's Memphis. See, I, I was going to blow the streak. Still Tennessee. Yeah. Still Tennessee. I've been there. Now, would you rather go to Elvis Land, Dollywood, or the Grand Old Opry? If you, were, if you had time to Dollywood. Spend- I bet they make a great funnel cake at Dollywood. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I want to. I bet they serve a good booze at all three. Boobs. Booze. <laughs> 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 Only one place there. <laughs> um. All right. Well, uh, I guess we should probably hear a song. I suppose so. I mean, we, we can talk about kind of how you got into music and everything afterwards, but let's uh. Let's hear a little something. Sure. Um, I'll let you just, I'll let you, uh, you all figure it out. If an honest conversation is really what you should open a door to your heart It doesn't have to be the front If you're searching for salvation In every face you meet Some will smile as they lift you up high They throw you back in the street What are you gonna do? Let's assume just for a moment We all understand What it's like to be kicked to the ground By an old and trusted friend We want that for each other. 
Is this the way it's gonna end? I believe we can find common ground Come to each other's defense ooh, ooh. What are you gonna do? Cause the time has come To clean up our mess And all it takes Is we try our best Cause everyone's got something That they're going through What are you gonna do? an original that was an original uh written by yours truly so john cavendish singer songwriter extraordinaire young lad from charleston west virginia um tell us your story I, as i started to like kind of alluded to earlier i know you come from a musical family so i mean it's, it starts there right yes yeah, so my parents are both classical musicians um they're both singers, both classical singers, sort of uh, opera and choral stuff. Uh, uh, they both play a little bit of piano and are generally educated musicians. From uh, you know, they both went to music school, even though my dad's a real estate broker and agent. Um, uh, but uh, so my natural rebellion when I was twelve or thirteen years old was, well, I'm gonna be a rock and roll musician, and so. You know, uh, that's I started out. I think I took piano when I was a little kid uh, for a few years, uh, which was great. Everybody ought to take piano lessons, uh, even if you're going to be a doctor or a football player. It doesn't matter. Um, but then I got a guitar when I was 12 years old, and everything kind of changed. Um, I used to be one of used to want to be a pilot when I was a little kid, and then you know, music and all the trappings that come with that uh, when you're 13, 14 years old sort of sort of got in and really flipped the script and. I've been uh, uh, I've been finding instruments to conquer ever since, and just uh, just trying to get better. So, do you you, you primarily consider yourself a guitarist? Because I know you play like every instrument, right? He's one of those guys. He, he plays the bass, he plays the piano, he, the drums. He, did he's you a phenomenal do, drummer? Did you do most instruments on your album, on your record? No, and I can go into why if you'd like me to. I yeah, Jerry, you're exactly right. I do play. I do play a, a lot of instruments. I kind of think of myself as a walking rhythm section: piano, bass, drums, and guitar. Um, but uh, making music entirely by yourself, you lose connection. You lose that grease. You lose that human element. And so, no. For the for the record I put out in February, I really only played guitar and a little bit of keyboard instruments and sang all the vocals. I can see that. The, the, like, the kind of like the, the playing back and forth and the energy between the musicians, there's something to that. That gives the, the, the music soul. When it's just you playing every instrument, I can, I bet it comes off maybe a little kind of sterile. Sterile, sterile yeah, exactly. man. It feels, yeah, it can, it can feel really robotic. Um, and, and it's also really hard, even if you're a really great musician and you play all these instruments really well and you have a, you know, can operate a studio and do it all yourself. It's really hard to, uh, it's hard to get the, that, that, uh, it's hard to bounce ideas. You can't, it's hard to bounce ideas off yourself. Uh, and so when you're, cause when you're in the studio and you're trying to record music, it, this is going to be, it's going to last ostensibly forever and you want it to be, you want it to have as, uh, be as good as it can be. And so if it's just you, you'll record it and you'll go, oh, okay, I like that. Uh, that's good. 
And then maybe you come back to it a week later and you go, wow, that has, like you said, it, it feels really sterile. It, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like there's any, any emotion in that. It doesn't feel like there's any feeling or connection. Um, and I also, uh, I have to say, I live in like maybe the greatest pool of musicians that has ever existed on the planet. And so I figured why not use some of those, uh, why not uh, make music with some of these great people that I know. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, <laughs> It's like living in Hollywood and making a, mo a movie with only you in it. Right, right. <laughs> that's, you know, that's good. I um. So so you're in. You're coming from a kind of a classical background. You pick up the guitar. You start swinging the axe and playing rock. Was there any kind of pushback from your parents? You know, did they want you to go more the opera than than the rock and roll? Uh, they were split. Um, in that one was for it and one was rather against it. And, I bet I could guess. And, but yeah, you can guess, and you can, and you know what a uh, 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 pushback to rebellion does to rebellious teenagers. Right, it just makes you go that much harder. Yeah. So you're going hard. You're rock. You're doing rock and roll. And I know it, talking about a guy, you know, uh, uh, that does a lot. He he also records. He went to engineering school. Then he was a, a music major at at WVU. Um, so he's kind of got a, his hands in everything musical. What were some of the odd jobs you did when you got into town to kind of make ends meet while you were writing? And when he first got to Nashville, yeah, when you you know your first apartment, you know, rat I'm, traps everywhere I, I'm, and I'm, spaghettios I'm, and you know the whole thing. I'm really lucky uh, in that regard in that my dad was a hobbyist and a tinkerer my whole life. Um, and so, and he was in the real estate industry, which meant that he was in the construction business, which meant that I got a really good grounding in that interest in that business from, uh, from early on. So I have moonlighted and full-timed as a, a, a carpenter, plumber, electrician. Uh, I spent about two years really hard in, uh, IT service and support and installation just because, I honestly had to, I kind of, I had a break in about 2013. I, my head was in the wrong place musically and was just sort of messed up about everything. And so I just kind of, I just kind of stopped for a while. Um, kept, you know, kept in contact with people, but just, just, just stepped back and uh, uh, <laughs> earned some, earned some real money for the first time in my life, which was a nice thing to, to get set up. Uh, I got my head right and then, uh, and then got back in it. So uh, I've, man, I've done everything under the sun. I've made, I've made signs. I've delivered pizzas. I've been a bartender. Uh, I've built houses. Uh, I've extended the fingers of the internet. But talking about, you know, some of your carpentry skills and electronic skills, he's kind of put that together now and, and you're, you're building pretty rad guitar amps, like custom guitar amps as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I make, uh, I make really really niche uh speaker cabinets that uh have a special effect in them that is widely sought after by musicians of all uh genre so i mean that's yeah very Great. cool right he doesn't just strum the guitar i mean the guy is like music music you he know the key music. if you want to survive in this town and i was fortunate i was told very early on this because i came here really green uh just a you know a kid from west virginia with a a music degree who didn't really know his ass from a hole in the ground and uh i was told very early on by a producer friend who just said diversify the key to success in this business is being able to do it all uh because then you don't you know you don't have to pay somebody else to do it and you can get paid yeah. to do other these these other things and so that's it's it's all about being a jack of all trades if you can so I, I've kind of have a, a double-ended question. I, I always love to ask people who go on these adventures and, and kind of start, like you said, from scratch and green. Like, what was the first kind of 30 days like finding a place and, you know, finding yourself and how to how to acclimate in a new town? And then, you know, after a few months, a year, whatever, two years, how did you get your, you know, big break, if you will, and kind of stand out as yourself and, you know, your own music started making you – Money and making you happy. Yeah, started gigging. Like, yeah, gigging. You started getting gigs because, like we've said, not everybody gets to. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You can uh, 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 an addendum to that. There's a gig out there that you can get on. It's just not going to go anywhere. Um, right. You know, yeah. There's a, there's an ass for point. every seat in this town. Um. Or there's excuse me. There's a seat for every ass in this town. Um. <laughs> but uh, no, I uh. Man, that's a, I mean, if you want the honest truth, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, and I was sort of bumbling through it. Um, and that's really, for me at least, what precipitated the what precipitated having to take a step back uh, and just just get the head clear and figure out what the you know uh, the direction I needed to go and and get some perspective on things. 
But no, the first uh, the first couple months, I had a buddy named Andy Wilmoth who lived down here, uh, and he had been linked up with some of his buddies from the festival circuit, uh, like Bonnaroo and all those those like uh, jam festivals and summer festivals that go on every year. And so they had, uh, you know, it was it was my first in uh, into the 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 scene here. And so you know, I came down here uh, and started working with with uh, the cats that he was hanging out with. And that's just, I mean, that's just the way it goes. It's sort of, it, you know, one person you take a gig with, you play, uh, you play with a guitar player who you never met before, and then three days later or two weeks later or six months later, that guy calls you and says, hey, uh, you were pretty good. Can you do this gig? And, of course, the calls always come 30 minutes before the show starts. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but that's the name of it. No, it was, uh, it, was a rough, it was a rough couple. I moved here in 2009, and truth be told, I really didn't get my shit together until, like, 2015. Um, I really didn't, didn't, didn't figure out sort of the dynamics of the whole thing and, and really what I wanted to be. Uh, mm -hmm. and that's the problem. Is that what, was that the game changer is you got your head straight or did, was, did you get an introduction or you meet the right person finally, or was it like a little bit of both? Or a little bit of both. Really just your own uh, head You know, space? through, uh, my, my wife, Sarah is, uh, she works in music publishing here. Uh, for a, which is basically a, companies that employ songwriters to write songs and then they pitch those songs to recording artists that you hear on the radio. Um, nothing you hear on country radio was, or at least ninety nine percent of it, was not written by the people singing it. Right, uh, and it's been I think that that's way. That's pretty true everywhere, right? Yeah, the majority yeah. Of people I mean, performing music aren't performing their songs they wrote themselves. Yeah, right? yeah. It's not like the seventies and the eighties and even into the nineties when the rock bands were really bands who were grinding it out, friends putting it all together, and then coming and being signed and all that American rock and roll dream that you hear about. Uh, no, that's it's it's all it's all it's all very 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 well organized, and you know it's a business. It's for profit. So would you say you've seen the industry change a lot in the last 10, 15 years? I mean, the biggest change has been the internet decimating the record companies. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Oh, dude, streaming? Are you kidding? Streaming killed the physical copy. Right. I mean, who buys a CD anymore? Yeah, exactly. And I had 200 of them made for my album release because I said, damn it, I'm going to have something to hold in my hand. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> so talk to us about like the big break. How did it all go down? I mean, like, I wish where I were could, you? I mean, I wish I had this awesome story for you about like when it all coalesced. But I mean, a we'll make make one up. A <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so uh, you know, uh, 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 Willie Nelson told me never to drop names, <laughs> but um, uh, this one night I was hanging out. No, um, uh, no, you know, I mean, a it hasn't really happened because. It's it's like anything. It's a career. It's a it's an industry. It's a profession. There's no big break. There's just keeping your head above water and you know trying to trying to figure out how to double your money or uh, make make money at all in a town where your skill set is completely uh, uh, completely redundant among everyone else around you. Um, but no, I just uh, I I know some people. Uh, I, that I've met over the years, some through Sarah's job and some through, uh, some through honestly making the Leslie cabinets, uh, making those speaker cabinets that you were talking about. Uh, that was a really neat introduction. I just sort of, I built a, a bunch of them on spec and just sort of set them up, went to local music stores and found places that would, you know, take them. Uh, and so I, I met some, met some really cool folks, uh, uh selling and making those, but, uh, no, you meet a few folks and the biggest thing, it was the head change. That's what, has changed my attitude, which allows me to endure the bullshit that is the music industry with a smile on my face. Well, you know, here at the Jeremy Webisodes podcast, we're big proponents of the head change. <laughs> you beat, you beat me to the punch. <laughs> Bump, set, spike. <laughs> Seriously. So you mentioned uh, before you had to find who you are, you know, musically. Can you tell us who you found out you are? Musically? No, that's a good point because that first song, I really enjoyed it. It was a great song. Thank you. Um, wasn't overwhelmingly like a country music song, right? So did you – have you kind of had to find yourself? I mean, in finding yourself, uh, that's a good question. What did you discover? Who, who are you, John? Are, you're, you're, you're not a country western musician, right? No, and if I ever figure out who I am, uh, you'll be the top of the you list let for me. me. Know. Yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> um, uh, uh, same goes for any of us. Uh, no, it was, you know, I, the trouble is, and I, I use this analogy in a lot of situations, 
So let's 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 use it in the, the case of a, a a musician or an artist, a performer. So you got this guy, and he does this one thing, and he does it really well. And when he does that one thing, everybody fucking loves it. They absolutely can't get enough of it. You take that guy. You put him in a recording studio in front of a microphone. We're talking about a musician here. You put him in front of a, a microphone in a recording studio. You press record and you say, okay, do your thing. Do that. Do that. Perfect. Amazing. Stop, print, cut, send it out the door, make money. When you are, I am spread between so many different disciplines, or at least I was spread between so many disciplines and still am in a lot of ways, that... I tried to, my, my mistake was I tried to do everything. I tried to, I tried to be a, a bass player, which is, you know, I spent 20 years as a professional educated bass player, upright and electric bass. Um, but when, but I have the other skill sets as well. And when I got down here, if somebody would say, Hey, can you play keys on this gig? I'd say, sure, I'll go play keys. And that would lead to more keys gigs, which meant that I had to work more at that to get chops up, to be relevant, to, to stay, you know, afloat in the scene. And then uh, I realized that I really, above everything else, liked playing guitar as a, a vehicle for my own m musical musings more than the other instruments. And so that's, if you ask me, do I call myself a guitar player? Yes. Am I only, would I, would I say I'm only a guitar player? No, I'm a, I'm a bass player till the day I die. Um, and, 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 uh, and, I, and I play drums and keyboards as a side hack. Right, but that's a good point. As a guy that does all of that and wears all those hats, to kind of define yourself and discover who you are, you you kind of have to decide I'm going to wear this hat predominantly. Oh man, and that's another thing that's so dangerous about making music by yourself. You're trying to wear the writer's hat, the guitar yeah. player's hat, the singer's hat, the recording engineer's hat, the record producer's hat, and the publicist and the graphic designer and the web developer. I mean, the list goes on. But it's not everybody has to make that choice. You know, not everybody's qualified to do that. Whereas, you know, John is. John could be the drummer, the keyboard player, the guitarist, the songwriter, the engineer, the guy, you know, literally built the amps. So, yeah, it would be kind of hard to keep all of those balls in the air. Yeah. And you kind and of have keeps, to focus. Yes, and keep focused on the music, which at the end of the day, the only thing that matters at the end of the day is how the music makes you feel. Lyrics, gear, instruments, songs, whatever. The feeling that music gives you. The feeling, that, that feeling of whatever it is. Whether it's uh, grief, terror, fear, pain, happiness, anything. That's what matters. And it's so easy to lose sight of that when you have even two or three hats on. Right. It's hard to drink that dick. <laughs> it's hard. I sorry, I can't. It's hard to drink that dickle with all those balls in the air. <laughs> yeah, I knew at some point we were. Gonna, we're just too juvenile to be able to drink, drink a dickle. All how long did I wait? I mean, I'm surprised we made it 39 minutes into the show before we made a dickle joke. Uh, um, dickle. well, on that high highbrow note, maybe we should do another song, John. Any story about the songs? Inspiration? I mean, these are all originals we're hearing tonight, right? These are all John Cavendish certified original songs. Are these all off your last album? No, neither of these are off my last album. Are these brand new? Uh, no, neither of them are brand new. Okay, good, good. Oh, we're getting the B-sides. Yeah. No, you're getting, <laughs> getting the classics. Yeah. You're getting the deep cuts, the shit that nobody else has access the deep to. deep cuts. Well, there we go. Nice. Ooh, I like it. Hit so, us with it. So this is a song, uh, a simple little train song. This is here. You said, you remarked that the last song wasn't country. And you're right. It's more of sort of the Americana sort of, you know, a hippie sing-song guitar thing, which I'm a fan of. But this song is not that. This is way more country. And before I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and spent as much time immersed in the wonders of country music, the good parts, not the crap you hear on the radio today, pardon me, um, uh, this is, I would not have written this song before I moved here, or at least it wouldn't have come out sounding like this. Um, but this is a song about... People that piss you off a little bit. Nice. Like Jeremy at a wedding. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> squeak, wheel, squeak. Squeak, wheel, squeak. Weep. 
go ahead and cry yourself to sleep Cry, oh baby, cry Tell us how you're just about to die There's a fountain that your bearings wearing out What's it gonna be? Sure, you've been wrong Running down this track for oh so long Still, oh still it's true That's just what a wheel's supposed to do There's a voice inside you that's crying out and it's telling you to squeak, yes we'll squeak, you're the only one that needs the grease, listening to you all day long, while this train keeps rolling on, you're gonna squeak, we'll Thank you, fellas. What kind of guitar is that, John? That is a Martin D18. It is a big, full-sized, uh, what they call a dreadnought guitar, and uh, it's made out of uh, spruce top and mahogany back and side. It takes up your whole lap. It's not a small guitar, but I'm not a small man. It sounds sounds great. Sounds, sounds fantastic. fantastic. Thank now, you. Do you, do you, you. It is... do you sense any little... I felt there was a little blues in there. Oh, yeah, that was bluesy. A little southern blues. Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. But like you said, they're all kind of like, you know, it, it all... It's a blend. ...originates from the same place <laughs> on some level, Yeah, man. Right? It, I mean, completely. It all came from... it. All, look, the notes are taken from Europe. The scales, the, the notes and the chords that people play and a lot of the instrumentation is taken from European uh, uh, art music. And the grease, the blues, the pain, and the soul all comes from uh, West Africa and, and slavery. You were a jazz major? I was. Or just a regular music? Uh, no, you're exactly right. I went, I went to music, I went to jazz school with the thought that if I can play jazz, I can play anything. I mean, which is kind of the case, yeah. right? I mean, if you can play jazz proficiently and read music and play the instruments, I mean, that's like, you can't have any better foundation in music not, than jazz. No, not in American popular music. Absolutely not. So, uh, you know, another question that I, was, I wanted to know is when you first got to Nashville, did you feel a lot of pressure to kind of like country it up a little bit to like, or or was it so progressive these days that you, you didn't have to? You kind of felt comfortable doing your own thing. I mean, do you do you feel like that that country, you know? I I get that where you're going with that. Was, you know what I mean? Were you pressured to be more country than you wanted to be? 
I mean, was that no. part of your struggle I and mean, finding yourself as like, oh, I'm being pressured to be country, but I'm not really that country? Or? So no, you got to remember, or at least it is it is important to note that the first from 2009 to 2013, 14, I really wasn't focusing on my own music. Uh, it was all about being a sideman, playing playing bass, playing keys, playing guitar, playing drums. And yeah, I had to... You were doing studio work though, not just gigs, right? You were playing on like other people's albums and stuff. Well, yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's the that's man, that's the best work in the business if you can get it as far as like a job job goes. If you can go to a recording studio and just have your gear set up there and go to that every day, that's that's the best. But Right, that's like the music job. If you're gonna have like a job, like not be in a band, but have a music job, I mean that's it. Studio musician. Oh man, that's that's the best. That's the best nine to five in the business. Sure, you get the most work that way, right? And a lot of those guys and women don't care as much about being the front man or woman, but they get a steady paycheck and they're part of like a really cool scene and and they're doing what they love to do, right? I mean it's right. it's you steady. Do what you love to do. You're, you got you know you're on people's <clears throat> albums. You're hanging out with cool people, and it's all word of mouth. Like if you do a good job. Right, you're recommended to do it on somebody else's album. It, 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 I would imagine it's all word of mouth. It is 100 percent word of mouth, good old boy system. Even in 2020. So the more you work, the better you do. You know, especially once you got yourself sorted and you're you're specifically now focusing on like guitar songwriting. You're not trying to spread yourself so thin. Um, it's probably easier to recommend you as uh, you know. Uh, when you're getting recommended as a bass guitarist and a pianist and a, you know, it's like, geez, this, this guy like, can do who anything. Who is this guy? Yeah, but an impression. that can also right. be a detriment here because if people, if you are, if you're spreading yourself around instruments and you're not really crushing it on all of them, then it's you know, you, you uh, now there's a there's another subset of of like live players. They call them a utility player. And that's guys that can that can show up to a gig and play mandolin and guitar, violin, a little pedal steel, piano, maybe bass on a couple of tunes, that kind of thing. And so that's a that's a vocation as well. And honestly, had I if I had the if I came back down here fresh again and did it over, I would probably try and focus more on that initially, just because it's it gives you the license to play a whole bunch of instruments publicly and brush up on your chops while you're doing it, as opposed to having to bring your A game out on everything every time. What do you feel you're best at? What's your, I mean, if you have to pick a niche, and I know we don't like talking about ourselves and giving ourselves compliments, but, uh, well, the three of us do, but <laughs> most people don't. <laughs> do you have like, you know, I don't know if you want to call it your favorite or truly what you feel you're most talented at. Like what's your. Absolutely. What's Absolutely. The... Tacos. Okay. Yeah. Well, now we're talking. 100% yeah. tacos. I claim tacos. complete, uh, absolute uh, uh, wisdom when it comes to tacos. How's the taco scene there? Man, it's oh, fucking yeah. great. <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, the food scene here is crazy. With all of the people moving in from L.A., New York, and Chicago, and all the money, all the investor money flowing in, and all the new development, the restaurant scene has exploded in the last five years. It's insane. Musically, um, I don't know. Uh, I'll, get, I'll let you know. I, I really like doing it all. I really, I think at the end of the day, I'm probably a better guitar player than anything. Uh, better than a, I'm a pretty good writer. I think I have. I think I'm a pretty strong songwriter at this point. But I've definitely spent the most time on guitar, and I think I feel the most comfortable with a guitar or a bass in my hand. Well, from what I heard, I would agree. It sounded great. First I mean, the guy shreds on the drums. You should hear him play <laughs> yeah. the drums. He shreds. So, I mean, it's, it's not an easy yeah. instrument to play, and it's nothing like the guitar. <laughs> Just because you can play the guitar doesn't mean you can play the drum. Right, that's, right. It's like, that's not everybody that plays the guitar also shreds with the drums. You know what I mean? Are you an actor who sings or singer who uh, acts? Yeah, and that's just like a little different like, than that. Play golf doesn't mean you can dump dunk from the half court line. Well, for what it's worth, so, I can neither play golf or dunk from the half court line. So, you know, we all have our limitations. Nice. <laughs> he plays a hell of a mandolin, though. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Banjo? You name it. This guy straps it on. <laughs> Dickle. Bart, uh, scoose, please. <laughs> so does every uh, romantic song, does, does your wife think every single one of them is about her? Every single one of them is about her. <laughs> oh, okay. Good, well, good. Smart man. She must be standing. She's standing right behind him, you guys. <laughs> yeah. 
Ah, she literally is. She just showed us the Zoom. No, but I've actually heard them. They're, they are. They actually are about her. And there's like one about her hometown or something, I think. I'm, Maybe not. I'm sure there is. <laughs> there are so many, and they are so wondrous and virtuous. Right, honey? As is she. There we go. See? I knew I liked We're you. We're all getting points, guys. I knew I, I liked my this wife. guy. We all got to tell her how rad she is on the air. <laughs> so what's next for you? What's the uh, next uh, six months, year look like? Well, you know, uh, the elephant in the room is that the the lockdown and the basically the moratorium on large gatherings has absolutely just sent the entire industry reeling from the record labels all the way down through the the folks that work the concession stands at the venues i mean uh it's just insane so i have spent the last three months um i have this thing where people just give me things uh it's that's nice it's good yeah 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 and especially i guess i just have a face that looks like i I'm friendly or something because no, you have a face that looks like you need things. I, well, maybe that's it, uh, and I'll, I'll either way. <laughs> yeah. uh, but as long as they're not giving you soap. Yeah. Well, you're you, okay. you know, fortunately, I've been able to avoid that so far in my life. Nice. <laughs> you obviously couldn't afford a barber the last couple years. Yeah, seriously. Well, that's the look here. You're the disheveled and unkempt is, but that's, you have to be that to get on stage. Not a big shampoo town. I'm a little. I'm actually a little too clean shaven for my role right now. So I yeah, you're more clean shaven than you were last time. So. Obviously, like you said, elephant in the room, COVID is a factor in 2020. It's got to be drastically affecting, you know, what well, is, as we know, of other people we've talked to, it's drastically affecting live performance. And in the, the live music capital of the world, quote unquote, I mean, it, it's got to be affecting it most. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's insane. Uh, I mean, all I mean, these venues on every corner are closed. closed. And, you know, everybody I know was out of work overnight. That's gnarly. And you think about a town that live music play is a big, you oh know, gosh. that's paychecks are, are, you know, people are paying their rent, buying food for their family by playing music live. And when that all shuts down, I mean, you've got, especially when like a town full of musicians, because we live in, in Orange County. You know, I know a handful of musicians, and they're all out of work. So you can only imagine in a city full of musicians. I mean, the whole city's basically it's shut like down. their livelihood. Not not just the live music, but like he the said, town. record labels, the concessions, exactly. So yeah, it's it's. I never really thought about that, but I mean, arguably, Nashville is one of the hardest hit towns because it's such so dependent on live music. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that the music industry makes up a really huge part of our, of our like GDP or whatever. But man, oh, it doesn't. Well, no, I mean, we're, this is a, a large, diversified city. De- Greater Davidson County is a million, million one or a million two. But that being said, it's so visible because the core of downtown is those bars and is all those venues. And just you drive down Broadway, and especially it's been there've been. Uh, uh, various successes and failures of trying to reopen over the last three or four months. But man, those first three months, March, uh, April and May, you drive down lower Broadway and it was just dead. Just nobody there. It was insane. So where are you guys right now in Tennessee? Like what, what, what kind of, you know, DEF CON are you guys on? We're at DEF CON basically none. Um, there's still a little bit of, of, uh, sort of restriction in Davidson County, but I mean, the rest of Tennessee, everything's pretty much open again, open for business, man. Oh, so that's good. Okay. So you're, you can play indoors. Um, I don't, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not, I, no gigs are not really happening, not here in town. And the people who are taking the gigs out of town and are going to play, Shows are getting kind of shamed by the industry, um, and rightfully so because at this point, with the uh, the all the climate that is in place, that's the way it's got to be. Right, right. You gotta, you kind of gotta play the game. Right, that's right. I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, you know what we're doing when we 
strap on the mask or whatever. Nine times out of ten, it's not for us. It's not for our health. It's for everyone else. And we're playing the game because we're all neighbors, right? Absolutely, man. Uh- and when you're in an industry that all that you know, you're on stage and you're it's all live and you're interacting. I mean, you got to be conscious of that stuff. I'll, you know? I'll I'll leave that discussion and move back to what I'm doing with this. It killed John Prine. Yeah. Well, there you go. It killed there John Prine. And so. That's enough to influence the industry right there. That's right. Especially in Nashville. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He is Mr. Nashville. Uh, or was Mr. Nashville. But anyway, uh, what I've been doing, uh, back to people giving me shit, um, this is the most Nashville story of all time. I've been rewire- redoing my home studio. And my neighbor, my next door neighbor, had a defunct studio in his house that I extricated and restored. He was a guitar player way back in the 80s and 90s uh, when, and you know, ended up becoming a lawyer and getting out of the business. And this stuff has just been sitting in his house for 20 years. And I saw him outside one day and he said, hey, do you want all this? In perfect me fashion. And uh, I said, yeah, of course. <laughs> Can you and give it to Zoom, me now? <laughs> you know, Zoom. I've I've seen you be doing, you know, a lot of Zoom concerts and and collaborations with multiple musicians doing stuff on online and yeah, I, mean, I guess you, you, you got to do whatever you can do. Yeah, man. You know, we uh, I actually during the first 2 months of the of the really hard lockdown here, I just taught myself how to edit video. Uh, I had a I had a, you know, Adobe Creative Suite and just get on YouTube, figure out how to make videos. And I started collaborating with all my friends who have small studios in their houses too. And we just started putting shit together. So this is a good place for you to, to, to let the people know about yourself, John, where can they find all this video and music? And give, this is your opportunity to tell the people where to find you. Well, um, my address is fought. No, I'm <laughs> my address is five, five, five Foster road. <laughs> my credit card is <laughs> my mother's maiden name is Bryant. Um, no. Uh, so you can find me on all the uh, Apple music and Spotify. You can find the EP that I put out this past February called finding the fire. Uh, just look up John Cavendish, uh, finding the fire. There's no H in John for those of you listening along at home. Um, and good luck spelling Cavendish. Just Google it. Uh, you can find me. So Apple music and, uh, Spotify. Uh, and then you can find me on Instagram at John Cavendish. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, I believe it is facebook.com slash J Cav with two V's. Okay. Nice. And it's Cav with a C, right? That's right. C A V E N D I S H. I'll, I'll spare everybody. Like the tobacco. All right. Nice. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. Um, finding the fire, an homage to that period of time you took to yourself to kind of focus. Oh no, that album's not autobiographical at all. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought. Um, all right. Well, uh, yeah, where time is kind of running, what? Let's. Uh, does anybody else have any any questions for John or anything they want to? I want to hear one more tune. I definitely want to hear one one more tune. We're gonna have him play us out. All right, so yeah, we've been here, you've been here, we're out of here. John, uh, thanks for being here, man. I love you. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Absolutely. I want to come back out there and actually be able to eat at Hattie B's instead of being super hungover. We'll get. It. We'll order ahead and skip the line. <laughs> nice. I know people. All right, well. <laughs> nice. Well, I'll do leave you, you know people. I do. Yeah. I do know people at Hattie B's, absolutely. All right, well, I'm going to have to take you up on that next time I'm in town. Because that's some good stuff. Um, all right. Well, thanks for being here, brother. I really, really appreciate it. Um, we're going to let John play us out with one more song. Do yourself a favor, ladies and gentlemen, and check him out online. John Cavendish, his new album, Finding the Fire, available on Spotify and iTunes and basically anywhere you can find quality music. And we look forward to seeing you right here next week on the Jeremy Webisodes podcast. I'm going to leave you guys with the last song off of my EP, Finding the Fire. This is called Volunteer. Red's the color of your necklace And the liquid in your glass If you find you're feeling reckless We are all alone at last But you're searching for an answer 
at the end of every day The sun keeps setting faster Taking precious time away well, Take a look and you will see Just what you could be with me I'll be your volunteer There is no penance or fee This love is completely free Flowing year after year If you stay right here I'll be your volunteer is not interpretation This is me in my own words It's not just infatuation Like the ones that left you hurt So I'm trying something risky won't you stay and help me out Turning water into whiskey Like the Jesus of the South Whoa, sacrifice Here's my vice Take a look and you will see just what you could be with me I'll be your volunteer There is no penance or fee This love is completely free Flowing year after year If you stay right here I'll be your volunteer Take a look and you'll see Just what you could be with me I'll be your volunteer There is no penance or fee This love is completely free Flowing year after year If you stay right here I'll be Volunteer